Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Rains, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid and for yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Rourke-Scary. I am the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption, and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen to us and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Look for AZ Adopt Podcast. Today on Birth Mother Matters and Adoption, we're talking with my lovely bride, Lisa. She is also the attorney for Building Arizona Families, and today we'll be talking about TPRs. First of all, welcome, Lisa. Thank you, Ron. It's always a pleasure to be here on the show. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for joining us. And we're talking about TPRs. What does TPR stand for? Termination of Parental Rights. Why don't you go ahead and explain what a TPR or Termination of Parental Rights is? Certainly. So the adoption laws, and this is pretty much through all the states, say that before a child can be legally free for adoption, the biological's parental rights have to be terminated. So they have to be terminated somehow, some way. There's various ways to do that. And each state has statutes of what the grounds are. They are generally similar throughout the various states. What's important to understand is that in order to finalize the adoption, you do many states need that certified termination order. Now, some states, the finalization of the adoption and the termination of the parental rights happens simultaneously. And in other states, you need to get a certified TPR order ahead of time, and then you use that termination order to be able to finalize the adoption. So it just depends on what the state's laws are. But what's important to understand is, and this is Arizona law specifically what I'm talking about, but again, most states are similar. But in Arizona, it's important to understand that when a birth parent signs adoption consents, that their rights are not automatically terminated. It provides the grounds to terminate the parental rights. But again, the rights are not automatically terminated at the signing of the consents. Now, in Arizona, there's generally nothing to be worried about once the consents are signed and the grounds are obtained because in Arizona, once the consents are signed, they are irrevocable only upon a uh, showing of duress or fraud, which is a very hard threshold to show. Uh So though the parental rights aren't terminated, there's, again, there's nothing to really worry about. Um, 
with a birth with a potential biological father the grounds to terminate parental rights are he could sign a consent and that would be one of the grounds mm -hmm. in Arizona another ground is the law does require that every potential father be served with notice of the adoption. Now, what that notice of the adoption does is it, it gives them an opportunity interest if they wish to assert parental rights. That's all it does is it gives an opportunity interest. Now, one other thing that Arizona law does is it stresses the importance of finality in an adoption. So when you give a potential father an opportunity interest to assert parental rights, there is a time limit that is associated with that. So, And what, what is that time limit in Arizona? So once served with the notice of adoption, they have 30 days to file a paternity action and serve it on the mother if they are going to utilize that opportunity interest and assert parental rights. And if they do not do that within 30 days, their consent is not needed, and you have just obtained the grounds to terminate their parental rights. What if a father can't be found or identified? What if they have just a first name, for instance? That's a very good question. So what needs to happen is they still have to have notice some way, somehow. And under the Arizona Rules of Civil Procedure, the way to do that is by publishing in a newspaper once a week for four consecutive weeks. And then uh, same thing, the uh, a potential father would have 30 days once service becomes complete. If so wants, after the fourth publication? Uh, no, it's actually 30 days after the date of the first publication oh. is when service is complete. And then he has 30, and then he has his 30 days. Oh, okay. So to clarify that service is complete, 30 days after the date of the first publication, mm -hmm. and then the father has 30 days for his response time. And then once that happens, again, you've got his grounds. Now, if you're going to publish before you publish, it does require that a due diligence search be done, a, a, a complete due diligence search to try and find the identity and or the whereabouts of the father. And what means do you use to conduct one of these searches? The best way to do that is to utilize a licensed investigator who can do that and who has access to skip tracing and various other uh, tools that they can use to do a, a thorough due diligence search. I always recommend to any adoption agency or attorney to, to utilize an investigator, licensed one, because that in, additionally will take the liability off you as the agency you know, again, we're not the investigators. That's not our job. Mm -hmm. You've got people out there that are trained to do that, that know how to ask the right questions. And and that generally, many times, they've been successful when, when you don't think there's any way to locate somebody. So that is another ground to terminate the parental rights. And again, okay. that's it's whether you serve somebody personally or whether you serve them via publication, it's still the same thing. Once serving them and having them not timely file will give you the grounds to terminate their parental rights. Um, there is another way of serving a father. Uh, sometimes you do know the identity of the father, but you're unable to serve them for whatever reason. 
And you may have other methods that may be viable, such as posting a notice via a text message or posting a notice to a Facebook page. Really? Yes. And that's considered legal? It is legal. As a posting? Yes. You do need to get a court order to do that first. What we call that is a motion for alternate service. Uh -huh. And then we essentially prepare a pleading that we give to the judge explaining the circumstances and explaining that under the Arizona Rules of Civil Procedure, that is the most viable, best way to get the father notice. The most practic and actually the term quote unquote is the most practicable means to be able to give the father huh. service. And then you explain why that mode is more practicable, practicable than just publishing in a newspaper. And as a matter of fact, there have been United States Supreme Court cases in Arizona that essentially, sadly, overturn an adoption because some agencies or attorneys just published automatically without asking the court to utilize a more viable means of giving them notice. And as an example, one of the court cases that I'm thinking of, the investigator had many conversations with the potential father through text messages and his Facebook page. And he determined it was an active Facebook page, but they never even considered giving him notice that way. They just went ahead and published without asking the court's permission. And the court came back in their decision, basically saying, no, publication was not the most practicable means. You had contact with him in an active Facebook page. He was communicating with you through that means. He was also text messaging you. There were better ways to give him the notice of the adoption. So sadly to say that case was overturned and terminating parental rights is such a big thing when it's done and it is taking away a liberty interest or again, an opportunity interest for a liberty interest that it is very, very important that if you're going to obtain those grounds, that those grounds are obtained legally and properly. Now, going back to when you were talking about different forms of service, alternate service, are you starting to get more and more of these alternate service things? Because nobody really reads the newspaper anymore, at least not a hard copy of the newspaper. Most of it's online, and you're going to find more of the younger people on the social media sites. Is that becoming more prevalent? That's a great question, Ron. And yes, that is the case that alternate service is becoming more of a of the viable option to be able to get birth father's notice. And that's exactly why, because of social media huh. that we didn't have before. There is also another ground to terminate parental rights and that deals with putative fathers. Now it's very important to understand that putative fathers are different than potential fathers. Potential fathers are fathers that have been identified that even if they're named as the one and only father, they're still a potential father. And they're a potential father up until and unless paternity has actually been established. If paternity is never established, they're always only considered a potential father. You also have what's called putative fathers. And putative fathers are those fathers that were not named for whatever reasons by the birth mom. 
So the law protects those that were not named. And what the law basically says is if you think you may have fathered a child, then you need to register a notice of claim of paternity with the putative father registry. And you need to do that within 30 days after the birth of the child. Now, it's a harsh law because what it says is notice of the pregnancy is not a reason to not have filed or lack of knowledge of the pregnancy, mm-hmm. rather. So essentially, if you if a, fa- if a father's somebody has had intercourse with a mother, with, with well, they don't even know it's a mother. If, right. if they've had intercourse with somebody. And perhaps it was unprotected or whatever, re- for whatever, whatever reason, reason, they think this person could have become pregnant. I need to get on this putative father registry. Exactly. Now, what's important to understand is that that registry is not a paternity action. There's a difference. So if you file with the registry, the only thing that does is entitle you to be served with the notice of the adoption, just like a named father. Okay. Okay? Because at that point, you technically are naming yourself. And so what is important is that um, you understand that for those putative fathers, essentially, if they if they file that claim, that notice of claim of paternity, they have to understand that that that's not good enough to assert their rights. Right to assert their rights. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Because if they do get served with the notice of the adoption, then they still need to assert their rights by filing a paternity action at that point. They are two completely different statutes and two different things altogether. Okay. One is your notice statute, which gives the name father notice. The other is establishes only a means to get your name on a list so that you can get notice of the adoption. And, and how that happens is for any adoption to be finalized, what an attorney or agency has to do is they have 30 days after the birth, they have to make an inquiry with the Arizona Putative Father Registry. And what happens is they will, if nobody files a claim of paternity, then they'll, they will get a certificate of no names. And then they will use that, they will file that certificate of no names with the court so that the court can say, oh, okay, we don't have anybody else out there. Um, or it may come back if somebody has filed a name of, pater- of uh, a notice of paternity, and this has happened with me in some cases, it will come back and there's a name on there. Now, in some of the cases, that we have had, uh, there's been a couple cases where we, we already served the guy. He Obviously, he was mistaken and, and must have thought that he had to do that. Uh, as opposed as to a, asserting his parental rights. Through a paternity action. Right. Now, that may be an unfortunate situation, but unfortunately, you know, the law is not sympathetic to people that if they don't know the law to not go out and retain an attorney. Right. Ignorance of the law is no excuse kind of thing. That's correct. Um, or they might have thought that they needed to do that in addition to a paternity action. For whatever reason, we may not know, but there's been a couple cases where we got the notice of claim of paternity back. The father's name was on it. Fortunately, we had already served him anyways, mm-hmm. and so nothing happened because of that claim. And again, that's, is, that, that's a perfect example of to show you how that's completely different than establishing a paternity action. 
Now, with the putative father registry, it just it seems like, first of all, there are so many hoops to jump through, not to mention, so just as an example, if a guy has intercourse with somebody and he knows her name is Jeannie or whatever, he only knows her first name and he gets on this list, it seems almost impossible that he would find the right person, that that person did get pregnant. And now, have you ever seen anybody actually successfully use this putative father registry to assert their to eventually assert their parental rights there has been one case where we did get a name back the mom was uncertain of his name and referred to him only as john doe mm -hmm. however he filed a notice to claim a paternity we sent the form in for john doe but his name was registered so it it uh I'm not sure exactly how that happened where his name was on there when the mom didn't know him. I think somehow he got wind of it mm. somehow, some way, and, and did that and, and filed the Interesting. Claim. But only once that's happened through your entire career. That Yes, that is correct. Interesting. Now, they, I mean, obviously they have an idea when the birth may occur. You know, if they don't know the mother's name, that might be an unfortunate circumstance. And actually... Thank you for reminding me because this particular father didn't know the mother's name. Okay. And that's how it was tied in. If, if you don't know the mother's name, there's you may just not might be, much, be out of luck. You might be out of luck. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's the best way, you know, it's the it's one of the best ways, or at least some type of way, that you can protect a potential father's rights if they do want that right. Mm -hmm. And by going through the registry. So now we've gone through the uh, steps as far as getting the birth father. Uh, served or publication, you know, done for the birth father and then his potential chance to come back and assert his parental rights. Now, so you go to the TPR and what else do we need to know about a termination of parental rights? So once you do have the grounds or you, you can even file the, the petition without having the grounds, mm -hmm. uh, what we basically, what we've said in some circumstances is that, you know, we've served the father you know, it's assumed that he will not respond within 30 days. And if he doesn't, then we'll have the grounds. And so in the petition, you, you can file it ahead of time and just basically state that you're anticipated to obtain the grounds. For the putative father registries that have 30 days after birth, we always say the same thing in the petitions, essentially that 30 days after birth, an inquiry won't be made with the putative father registry to make sure that there's nobody that is asserting a notice of claim of paternity and assuming nobody files within 30 days after birth, which is the deadline, mm -hmm. that, that we'll have obtained the grounds to terminate the rights of any and all putative fathers. So when we, on our termination orders, we're asking to terminate the parental rights of the birth mother, any and all named fathers and any and all putative fathers. And that's good because it does shut the door finally on anybody else to keep anybody else from coming back down the road in the interest of finality, which is very important. Right. So those are just three of the ways that you can go in and terminate. There are other ways to terminate as well. Uh, many different grounds in Arizona. Though, though, when you have an uncontested adoption or an adoption where another state needs a termination order or another county does ahead of time. Those are basically the three most popular grounds. There are other grounds that you can ob obtain, such as abandonment, 
abandonment in Arizona does depend on many factors, but the prima facie case is where there has been zero action on a father's right for six months. And generally, if there's nothing for six months at all whatsoever, that uh, there's ground prima facie grounds, which means pretty, pretty much definitive grounds to go in and terminate their rights. But again, uh, and that's in a case where a father actually has established paternity. Okay, the the uh, methods that I had talked about earlier are in cases where paternity was not established. Right. If paternity is established, then you've got to go in on other grounds. One of them being abandonment, or possibly uh, you know if there was uh, drug use that specifically affected their ability to parent a child, or an incarceration that possibly may affect the ability to parent a child. Uh, those are not slam dunk. It, it depends on other factors that will come into play. Another one could be domestic violence against a child. Uh, that pretty much is. That'll I seal would the deal. Say, right. Pretty much. It's, it's going to seal the deal. Okay. Um, or if you've got prior DCS cases, those are going to have an impact as well. And there's grounds for those too. I think one of them is if you've had one within, I think, I, I don't have the statutes in front of me, but I think it's around 15 months or something like that. So there are other ways to terminate if paternity has been established. The, the ones that we generally deal with on a day-to-day -day are the ones where paternity has not been established. Um, and now for those, as far as the process, we file the petition. And my firm files several other motions as well. Mm -hmm. I'm just one of those attorneys that I like to walk into court with as many court orders as possible so that I can anticipate what's going to happen. Sometimes on judicial rotations, you may have a judge that may view things a little differently, and that's why we like to get orders ahead of time. So one of the additional motions we do file for the birth mother and the birth fathers are notices to waive their notice and appearance. And that's important because in... In a termination action, one of the laws is that you do have to serve the birth parents mm -hmm. with notice of the termination hearing unless it is waived. And there are specific statutes when you sign a consent to adopt and you sign a waiver of the notice of appearance, then you could file that with the court and the notice requirement to give to the parent of the termination hearing is waived. You don't have to. That same waiver is also asserted into the notice statutes. If a potential father fails to file and serve a paternity claim on the mother within 30 days, not only his, is his consent needed, but he waives his right to be at the hearing. Hmm. And so again, you don't have to give notice of those. I always like to get, and even though it's written in the statute, we like to get a court order so that in the event a judge says, well, you know, we need to give notice. I can go back and pull the order and say, well, when we have a court order that we obtain, that we don't need to give him notice. Um, and that protects us in case there's a different judge that covers or anything like that. Another thing that uh, is very important that we file is we file a motion for the courts not to appoint counsel to the potential fathers. And again, if there's a different judge or on a judicial rotation and they might have a different view or anything like that, other than what the statutes say, it could not be the most, it, it could 
result in an outcome that's not good for your mm -hmm. case. Because the law, again, specifically says that if the potential father does not file that paternity action, not only is his consent not required, not only do you have the grounds to terminate, but he's also barred from maintaining or bringing a paternity action. So essentially, this is a person that never established paternity and never can establish paternity. And because he is not legally deemed to be the biological father, he does not have any right to counsel in the case. Huh. And that's what we assert. And we make sure we get a court order to that effect as well. So we get those orders in place so that by the time the hearing comes, it's just a straight, clean hearing where we establish testimony on the record with the adoptive family. Uh, there's no one else that's generally present. And generally it goes smooth. It's clean. And we're able to get a termination order signed that day. And then once we obtain a certified copy of the termination order, we send it to the attorney who's finalizing the adoption, and then they're able to go on and proceed. Well, it sounds to me like this is actually very hopeful for, for instance, adoptive families so that they shouldn't worry as long as they make sure that whatever agency or adoption entity they're going through, or if they go through an attorney, that person or agency has all their ducks in a row. They make sure that they're covering all their bases when it comes to potential and putative birth fathers and all the other paperwork is in place, filed, and the searches are done that need to be done and everything is. So if you have somebody who's conscientious, like Building Arizona Families happens to have, then you should be good and a TPR shouldn't be that daunting. Exactly. And Obviously, as the attorney for building Arizona families and helping to draft their contracts, it's clearly stated in their contracts that they see both before they actually sign. They sign a pre-match contract and a post-match contract, and the stuff is stated in both. So the family's well aware of what's going on instead of it being a surprise, which is always good. Mm -hmm. Now, there's all one other thing additionally that families are advised on, whether it be through building Arizona families or through my firm. And that is the possibility. There has been some instances where the father has still filed the paternity claim, but they did it untimely. Huh. So in those cases, thankfully, the statutes specifically say that if they do that untimely, that the paternity action shall be dismissed, meaning it has to be. They have no standing. They didn't follow the rules, basically. Exactly. But you do have to go in it, a paternity action, if it's filed, is going to be in a family law case. Mm -hmm. So you do have to go into a family law case. You do need to respond to whatever petition they filed. And then you do need to file a motion to dismiss. And it, there may be some other subsequent filings you may need to do. But essentially, that's what would need to happen. And I've had probably about five of those so far. And... Thankfully, the judge was aware of the law and they did dismiss the case as they were supposed to. So once we got that order of dismissal in the family law case, we were able to take that order of dismissal and file it back in the termination case and successfully be able to move on. Very good. Well, Lisa, 
<laughs> Attorney Simpson, I want to thank you very much for joining me here on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption today. Thank you so much. As I stated, it's always a pleasure to be here, Ron. If you're pregnant and considering adoption, we are here for you and understand what you're going through. We've helped hundreds of women place their babies for adoption, and we want to help you as well. We have a pregnancy crisis hotline available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112, or you can reach us on our toll-free number at 1-800-340-9665. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get you to a safe place, provide food and clothing, and help you get started on creating an Arizona adoption plan, or just give you more information. Check out our blogs on our website at azpregnancyhelp.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by looking for AZ Adopt Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen to us. Birth Mother Matters and Adoption was written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me. Thanks go out to Grapes for letting us use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. Join us next time on Birth Mother Matters and Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Raines, and we'll see you then.